Sup, peoples? Uh, I just wanted to give a little intro to this episode. So in this, I'm having a conversation with Z and Ziad Kassab. It's an absolute amazing conversation. Like, we talk about all types of stuff. About his brother having a spinal cord injury. Like, his brother was 7, he was 10. And then we talk about family and work ethic and business and how much he's had to go through in this time to get where he is and he's only 35 and to see how much he's accomplished over the years and how he's gotten there and it's a really awesome conversation one thing I will say though this is the first podcast where it was two mics set up and we were in the same room it might Seem like the other podcast, we were always in the same room, but we were always like Skyping and then I was putting it together and just made it sound like we were in the same room. This was our my first my first attempt of really talking in the same room. Needless to say, it doesn't sound that great. But if you can look past it and actually to go with the theme of it about his brother being a C1 and I am a C1, C2 paralysis. It it really goes with it. So you're going to hear my vents. You're going to hear the noises in the background, but uh, it's genuine. This was our genuine conversation and it was a great conversation. So enjoy. It was great for me to have with him and I wouldn't be surprised if I had him on again later. So, have fun listening. What's up, guys? Welcome to, excuse my language, but... I'm here with the man, Mr. Ziad Z Kassab. Oh, thanks, Drew. Hey, <laughs> Yo, man, this is this has been a long time coming. A very special day for you. Special time and season for me as well. Because you were saying today's Danny's uh, 33rd birthday? Yeah, Danny will be 33 today. Man, and then so then some people don't know you started this whole foundation based on your brother. Yeah, based on him, it's named after him, D Man, Danny's Miracle Angel Network. And then that, so you guys, is, you were ten when uh, when the car accident happened. Yep. What what exactly happened? How old was he? Uh, Danny was seven. Okay. And um, we were going to a Bible study at church, actually. And my dad was uh, my dad was taking the three of us. So me and Calvin and Danny, who are three boys, uh, going to a Bible study. And uh, we parked in the parking lot across the street from the church. And <clears throat> Danny was kind of just, you know, being the youngest, you always want to win and be first and be ahead. So... He kind of wanted to get there first and just kind of jumped out of the car and ran across the street and, mm. and didn't look both ways. And uh, right. he got hit by a car. What level was he? His spinal cord injury? Yeah. Was a C1. Jesus, like me. Yeah, C1. And that was kind of how we connected right away at first. Yeah. I remember you telling me, like, because my accident was nine years ago and you were there right after. What, when was that exactly? When was that spaghetti dinner? Do you remember? 2010. 2010, what month? Uh, so my accident was in March. It was probably around June or July because okay. I was still in the hospital. I wasn't even so, out of the hospital yet. So at that time, Danny had passed away from maybe, he passed away in August 09. Damn. So he had just passed and, uh, and then I was, you know, I had, grew up in healthcare because we had the company 
And that, and that was already prior to his accident? No, no. And, oh, and, no. and actually, my, my dad, um, you know, is really the leader and the patriarch of our, of our family, right. uh, started the company after Danny's accident because of a lack of good care for right. um, for Danny. For sure. Especially back then, I'm sure it was way different than it is now. Well, you got to think, you know, at the time we were we were in the supermarket and liquor store business. We were not in the healthcare business. We were, right. we were, we were in the Marlboro and Budweiser business. Right. And so, uh, you know, we grew up behind the store, uh, behind that counter. And, and actually it was really cool because when you grow up behind a, a, a counter in a small town, you know, there's only one supermarket and one liquor store. And my, my dad, you know, came here below zero, but was able to build up. Uh, Based on money. that. Yeah, they're working hard. And, and, and we own the only two stores in town. And so everybody, they called the store Sam's. They didn't even call it by the name of the, the store, mm-hmm. Dragon Food Center. They called it Sam's. But That's we all grew up behind the counter. So the whole town kind of got to watch us. Uh, grow, grow up and develop yeah yeah it's all, and that's so one of the things i love about you guys and i'm also very curious of because like i swear i have no idea how many damn siblings you have and like how the whole the whole family dynamic is really great and it's awesome to see but like so how many how many siblings so i have two brothers i'm okay. the oldest of four okay. so me and then i have a younger brother named calvin and Calvin actually went to school to be a nurse right. to take care of Danny, right. my, my my second brother, Danny. Mm-hmm. And then I have a younger sister named Cassidy who went to school to be an art therapist. And so kind of our whole family's in healthcare. My, mm-hmm. my, you know, my dad led us all there through the uh, through Danny's accident, through the company, and mm-hmm. we kind of you know grew up, you know, the injury was normal for us. We were all kids. Right. We kind of, you know, grew up being very, very comfortable around not just Danny, but then all the patients we were taking care of. For sure. We're, we were like, we were just kids, so we were all family, we were taking care of kids, you know? So we were all the same age, we kind of grew up together, and uh, just in very comfortable, just, we don't see, I don't see the chair, I don't see right. it. Right. Yeah. And that's one of those things that's like, it's hard to get past with some people, people that just don't grow up in that environment. Yeah. And they just don't know, and like, I think about myself even before my accident. I I didn't view you know. people in charity. Yeah. My my perspective has completely completely changed. Yeah. People would come up to uh come up to us when we'd be out. You know, me and Cal and Danny we'd be out and they'd come up to me or Cal and Danny would be right next to me and they'd say, Oh, you know, what's wrong with him? Right. I'd say, Nothing. But if you wanna know, ask him. Why are you asking me? He's exactly. Right next to me. Or it's the <laughs> The one that makes me always laugh is the one when the waitress comes up and like reaches over you and then is like, "So what does he want?" Yeah, yeah, hello. Excuse me. Yeah, just that. Yeah, the end. We used to we used to tell him. I used to tell him. You know, when people are giving weird looks and stuff. I told him, you know, mess with them. Give him weird looks back, so he'd like right. start drooling and foaming at the mouths and shit. <laughs> just just they'd be like, "Oh, what the hell's going? What the hell is going? What's wrong with him?" And right. he would just blah, 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 you know play off of it. Yeah. And, so, um, and y'all just had Danny still had a great life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He, yeah. He still got to experience a, a lot of what is great about life, and a lot of that was because of you guys. Like, well. Like I said, you know, we, it was just very normal for us. Right. So uh, we didn't want him to uh, feel excluded from anything. So, you know, they don't always make things that are adaptable for every little thing. So we would jerry-rig a lot of things. We would just find something, oh, we're going to do that. We're going to break this shit off. We're going to put this <laughs> one right here. And this is going to be badass, you know? Right. And so... Um, and when you grow up doing that, since you were 10, since you were 7, it just... That's the norm. That's you, you improvise, right. you know, and and I get a lot of compliments on the work that we do. People are like, "You guys are moving mountains and doing this," and, and I was like, "No, we're just improvising, you know. We're just exactly. working with what we got, and then that's really all it is." But, then, but for for a lot of people, that can be really scary. Yeah, like I know for me, even uh, so, one of the one of the events you guys have is like 
the drinkers. And I remember the first drinkers that I went to, I was too scared to even to even get in the car to even try, uh, to I remember even try to do it. you know what I remember? I remember your face <laughs> on the GoPro cam when when uh, when you were in there and, and actually finally the guy floored it, you know, and that was the second time I that came. That was the second time. Yeah. The first year I came, I never even, yep. I never even got in the car. Yeah. And just because out of fear, out of just out of the norm, I, I guess afraid of discomfort, all that type of stuff can be scary. Yeah. So for you guys, growing up that way, you don't have those fears. You don't have those those boundaries or anything. And it's, well, I'll it's tell you. Dope. My mom was still scared. <laughs> right. She, she, uh, you know, she was nervous. Everything we did with Danny, and went from putting him in the convertible to taking him on an airplane, to we took him out of his wheelchair and put him in the ocean. You know, and that oh was a God. real, that was a process. Even and we, his, she like, didn't know. She, shit. Well, you know what we had to do was we went tegaderm crazy, right? We went so right. we we tegaderm all around the tray, all around the G tube, all around his bunghole, You know, yep. to make sure we didn't have any water coming in where it didn't need to go and uh right. we, we we put him on an ambulance board and we strapped him in we put his hands in his pants and then um we took him off the vent we put him on the ambu bag so he could breathe right so we're gonna take the vent in the ocean right and then we put two giant floaties like the ones you lay in in the pool under the ambulance board <laughs> and then we just had four guys around balancing it, and right. one guy bagging it, you know, and we were just... Mess us up. Yeah, and my mom didn't know we did it until after we got back. She beat the shit out of me. She took her <laughs> sandal off. And your she, mom, she, your she, mom. How could you? Badass, oh, my mom's a shit, mom. man. Yeah. There's no one like her. She's I, awesome. She's a, to me, you know, she's a saint. And I tell you, being able to see her from, from a young age, the way she handled Danny's accident. Right. She is a woman of unbelievable faith so this guys this is you know she would still go out of her way to try to make us happy and laugh and always smile when she was with her other kids and at a young age we didn't realize it but you know we know now that god imagine i have two kids going on three how i would feel if i had to deal with my son my son's going to be seven in I august that. i saw the video you this morning yeah. Gummy bears <laughs> These kids just do stupid stuff. <laughs> you know, I let them do. Kids are awesome. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm flexible with them because life. I know how short life is. Right. And you can well, discipline. Why well, stress the little things? Right. That's right. You know yeah. those things. I read a saying one time. It said, "Don't wait to make your son a great man. Make him a great boy." You know, and right. um, and so I try to put good. I want him to just be pure of heart and good. And, and understand yeah, exactly. it. Know, with kids is a process, but um, mm-hmm. you know, and my daughter, she's amazing. She's she's a caring, very caring, naturally caring little girl. Oh awesome. yeah, they took gummy bears and they fucking <laughs> they put them all over the window. They right. realize that they stick to the glass. To Especially the window. with the sun out. Yeah, so they're sticking them on the window yeah. and they're making like letters and shit. And then they're like, "We're gonna eat them after." I'm like, "It's fucking nine o'clock in the morning." <laughs> Plus, you're gonna peel them out the window and uh, get, oh, you know. But you know, kids, they'll be kids, so right. I tend to let them have fun and play and do be creative and right. stuff like that. And that's so. One of the things I was reading about you is like. As a kid, and I think you and my dad are similar in this way, it seemed like even as a kid, you had a very entrepreneurial mindset, always looking for the next, for the next thing, which is dope. Like, I remember a story about my dad selling raffle tickets when he was six years old. Fake raffle tickets. <laughs> oh, he was a hustler. A hustler. <laughs> that hustler. Yeah. He found out the radio station was going out. So he sold raffle tickets and was like, listen for the radio on Friday. The day after, they shut down. Well, so, yeah, he was just... Let, uh, your dad, Ladon, yeah. I'll tell you, is, is a hell of a guy. I had a lot of conversations with him when you were younger about yeah. you and about him wanting to do things for you. And he's pure of heart and he wants nothing but the best for you. I mean, he, he really, really, you got a good oh, dad, wow. too, man. He really do. Absolutely. Yeah. I love you, Ladon. He's my Superman. And yeah. it's like, although lately, I can, I can see both him and my stepmom, Tracy, getting, getting burnt out yeah. over the years. Because it's been nine years of them it, 
doing all this for it takes, a, it takes a lot out of you. It, right. it does. And it takes a superman and a superwoman. Right. Because, you know, and you know, my mom and dad went through it for 16, you know. and But I tell you, because we had the unique perspective to not just take care of Danny and be the patient of the family, but we have the company. So we are able to see other family dynamics when they're when there's kids with disabilities or they go through an accident. And some families crumble in the circumstance. The mom doesn't know what to do. The dad doesn't know what to do. They have all these, maybe they have other kids or other problems. And it's not their fault necessarily, but they right. they don't know how to, to, what to deal with. And so, you know, being in that business, you have to also be an extension of the family. You know, and that's kind of why we look at everyone. Exactly. And the family, the... I always, you have to treat, especially in, in like private duty care where there's nursing right. around the clock. It's not done in a hospital or in a nursing home. It's done inside the patient's home. Right. So when you're inside the home, you are, you are now part of the family dynamics. Right. You know, and I remember as I was 10 years old, and you imagine 11, 12, 13, 14 growing up, 24 7, there's a nurse in the house, always awake. So right. I'm sleeping in my room, and downstairs there's a nurse, and there's, Kind of like a home hospital unit. Right. Yeah. And so, and then through that time, I saw stuff saying, like, you were constantly coming up with little startups. With, uh, <laughs> yeah, how old were you when you when y'all did, created the transportation? Uh, I started the transportation company when I was 18, maybe 19. How'd that go about? Well, it actually started through, so, quick history. Danny's accident in 93. My dad, after a year of bad care, my dad started the private duty company in 94. In 97, he started the home health company. In 2001, he started the medical equipment company. Mm. In 2001 is the year we also sold the stores. Gotcha. So, right, so we moved into healthcare full time. Was it because those were growing and booming or? They were, they were growing, but the store business was. Um, the store was 30, 40 minutes away from where we used to live where the store was. After Danny's accident, we moved to Rochester because we had to be close to the hospital. Gotcha. You know, uh, that's C1 quad, vent dependent. You, exactly. have, you live with it. Yeah. You know, every day is like you never know what can happen. So Especially early on. That was one of those. Yeah. Especially, like, I'm much more stable now. But I think back to stories of early on after my accident. I was, yeah, it was, it was tough. We rushed to the ER two, three times a year. And it's life or death every time. And that went on for 15, 16 years. Jesus. And one time it just didn't go our way. Mm. But, but that's how, that, and so we had to move close to the hospital. So we sold the stores and, um, and I had grew up in the store working all my life. And I was, it was 2001 and I came to work for the medical equipment company that my dad has. My first job in healthcare, right. aside from growing up with Danny and knowing his injury and his care, this was my first job in healthcare. It was 2001, and I, w- I went to work for my dad's DME company, the medical equipment, and my first job was a delivery guy. So I would go to people's homes and set up their hospital bed, put it together, show them how to use it. I'd set up their oxygen, their concentrator. I'd bring tanks and regulators, you know, and sometimes it was for quads and sometimes it was for seniors, and I would teach them how to use their stuff. And, um, and one of the things I had to do was before a patient can go home from the hospital, if they're on O2, they need O2 for the transport to go home. Right. So I would have to go to the hospital, take the tanks and the regulator so the patient could leave, and then I'd follow them home and set up the concentrator. Well, I'd catch myself in the hospital on time, so I'm very diligent and thorough, <laughs> waiting for the transportation company to come and take the patient home. I'm just there to bring the, the O2 tank. There was no transportation at the time. Gotcha. And I'm always waiting. And I got this big van, and I'm like, and it's got a lift on it. I'm like, I can put the patient in the car and take him home myself instead of the right. O2 at the same time. Exactly. And some you are already very familiar with. Cause... I took my driver's training test in Danny's van. <laughs> I had to parallel park a big-ass handicap van. Oh, my like, God. I know what I'm doing, you know. Right. So I was driving it when I was 14. Don't tell anybody. Uh-huh. I used to drive myself to driver's training. <laughs> I was the driver's driver. I walked in, and the teacher would look at me. <laughs> And I, you'd be like, yo, I yo, bro, I just have to be here. Hey. I, like, push on lunch. I'm just here so I don't get fired. Yeah, man. Like, <laughs> so, so, I, um, so I knew. I was very familiar with it. So I uh, I wanted to start. So I talked to my dad and giving me enough money to buy a van. Right? Yeah. 
and um, you know, it's just a few grand for a down payment and a lease. And so he did, and he gave it to me, and I, I said, now I got the van. And so I was going to all these hospitals, and I started telling all the discharge planners, because I'm there getting to know them, hey, I'm, I'm going to buy a van. I'm this 19-year-old kid. And they're like, no, a little hesitant to give me a, a, a case because mm-hmm. I'm the whole, I'm the driver. I answer the phone. And I didn't even have a case yet. So finally, um, and, someone and gave me my... There's a lot of patients who the insurance will pay for the right. transportation and all yeah. that type of stuff. Well, and at the time, it was actually not even insurance. It was private pay. Like the patients would pay for transportation just mm-hmm. one way from the hospital home or from the hospital to the nursing home. Sometimes nursing home pay for it, sometimes hospital, depending on whatever the patient's plan was. I don't know what insurance was. I don't know what litigation was. I don't know what nothing about nothing. So I got my first case. My friend, uh, his name was Chuck Roberts. God rest his soul, he passed away. It was a company called CRCI. He gave me, finally gave me a chance. And I was like, man, I don't want to screw this up. Show up on time. Make sure the car is clean. I'm, I'm clean. Driving extra safe. When I'm done, I take the client and I said, you know, let's go get some ice cream. Get some ice cream. Were you happy with your transportation? Is there anything I could have done better? Right. If you're happy, please, just please tell, you know, your company how happy you were. So she did. And I pick up a case here. And I pick up a case there. And I'm driving. And I'm answering the phone. I'm scheduling. I'm driving. I'm billing. I'm doing the collections. I'm doing everything. Right. And one day... I look in the schedule and I have two patients at the same time. I got only one car. So I'm like, shit. I don't want to turn this customer down. Right. So I call my brother. I said, Cal, go home, get Danny's van, get your ass over here <laughs> and get this client and take him to the, um, uh, take him to their appointment. So he did. Exactly. And then I ended up buying another van. And today there's you know, 30 drivers on the road, 30 cars almost every day, six days a week. We Dang. do between... 50 and 90 runs every day. Damn. Yeah. And that's, and I still, I know, I, I'll i be somewhere and I'll see like a transport van and I'll see the mm-hmm. the logo and I'm like, oh, okay. That's, and it happened to uh, while I was in college. I was in, I went to college to get my business associate's degree in business. Right. I'm going to start there and then build up on it. And I never even got to the associate's degree because the okay. business was growing. And I'm in college, and I'm like, you know, and, and I hate school. I hated school. And I don't want to tell my kids that, but <laughs> I was not a book smart person. I'm a street smart person. Exactly. I learn by doing, and by that's, watching. And that's the biggest misconception is that you can't have both, that people aren't, like, that's just how people are. Like, Oh, gosh. I, I just, you know, the test and ever memorizing, and I have, I have ADHD. I can't sit still. My brain goes from place to place to place. Uh, you know, my wife and my brother will be talking to me and they'll say something and I'll, and I'll, it'll make me think about something. And then I'm like, gone. I'm in my own world, in my mind. I'm looking at them, but I'm not listening to them. And they're like, hello, <laughs> Z. And I'm like, uh-huh, what, oh shit, what were you saying? And it happens. And I asked Calvin, my brother, because yeah. my wife, me and my wife just got an argument about it. She's like, how mm. can you do this to me all the time? I'm like, hey, my, I swear my life is not intentional. So I'm like, watch. I call Calvin. And I'm like, she goes to me. Uh, she She's with me. And I go, look, I'm with Bianca. We're fighting because, you know, apparently... She says, I don't listen to her enough. I don't know. She was saying something about how I don't listen to her. I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention. <laughs> so, right. I said, how often does it happen? He goes, sometimes it can happen every minute with Z. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, really? And no, I, I was caught off guard by that because I called right. knowing I'd do it for him to defend me. And he's like, yeah, every minute. And I was like, every minute? Wait a minute. <laughs> it's Shit. not that bad. I'm not that bad. Yeah, but um, anyhow, then, not to get off track, that's kind of, yeah. you know, that's kind of how uh, my mind works. And so... Right. I ended up dropping out of school and building a company. And then I had a case. Then I learned about insurance and getting paid through insurance. And then I had a case that went into litigation. They called me and mm-hmm. said, the case is in litigation. We're not paying it anymore. And I said, what the fuck is litigation? Right. <laughs> All you, you know, know is 
that means I'm not getting paid. Right. Now I do that, and I was, so I went and Googled, I'm like, litigation, right. oh, okay, the plaintiff, and this defendant, what the fuck's a plaintiff? <laughs> I don't know, oh you know? God. I'm a college dropout, what do I know? So I went back to college to take business law one-on-one, just the one class, to get the gist of it, right? right. And um, and I learned, and then I dropped out again, you know, I just went, I didn't drop out, I just went there for that one thing. Oh, for but sure. my dad did something really... I think that's more applicable a lot of the time. Oh, yeah. Why do you need the whole degree if you can just go take a class here or there and get the skills you need? Well, one better than that. And, and so, so I get my entrepreneurial spirit from, a spirit from my dad. And one thing that he did, the best thing he ever did for me, is he would send me to conferences when I was 19, 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. Harvard Business Conference, three days in Chicago. I go there. I'm like 19 with a book bag, and there's all these guys in their like 40s and shit, and they're all wearing like suits. And right. I listen to him speak, and this is like the CEO of General Electric and the CEO of the chairman of Starbucks. And I'm like, what the <laughs> shit? I'm like underdressed. I got a book bag. I'm like definitely 12 or 15 years younger than everybody here. I mean, you're still pretty young for what you accomplished. I'm 35 now. Right. But you know, you got to think this was when I was 19, 16 years ago. Right. So a whole lifetime ago, feels like. And I, he started sending me to conferences in our industry. Two, three days, you soak up, a, and I would go, and I'd sit right in the front, you know, and I sat in the back in high school. But I was like, I'm paying for this shit. Right. <laughs> you know, I had to pay for the flight to be here, so I'm going to get everything out of it, you know? Yeah, so, and, and you were much more involved, or uh, absorbed, like, in the material. Yeah. It was what and you were you, doing every day. Well, you could come home, and you could learn like one or two things and come home and apply it in your business and would cover the, all the cost of your trip and make it totally worth it. Exactly. One or two things here and there. And not to mention the 50,000 mistakes I made and I'm still making every day as I'm on the path, you know? For sure. That's one of those things that, I don't know, I could use your advice on even because that's, that's what I'm trying to do for my dad my stepmom is to take over. Yeah, it's like, at what point did you feel comfortable in doing that? You know, I mean, I never really ended up taking over. Um, I grew into, uh, I built a transportation company from scratch. So I, I, I'm the CEO of that company. I run that from A to Z with an awesome team, I'll say. They really do all the work. I was able to build a great team. Right. And, um, but the big company, the home care company, I, I was I grew up in it and I became the vice president and I worked there until about two years ago. We me and my dad worked together. We built a six hundred person employee, twenty one locations in six states, and they do about twenty one, twenty two million dollars in business a year. It's a great organization Jesus. to build. Um, tons of employees, tons of tons of but I ended up two years ago, really wanted to do my own thing, and my dad encouraged me to start my own, right? So, and and you know how, like, when your parents say something, you're like, you don't think they're right, you know? My dad, I butt heads with him, but God damn it, he's always right. <laughs> the guy is bright. And so, he talked me into starting my own, and his reasoning behind it was, you'll learn how to do everything from the beginning. Where I was doing growth and development, I was I did a little bit of everything, but my main thing was growth and development, um, opening the out of state locations, which is on my I'm on the road, you know, almost four or five months a year. But he was right. I started my own, and I was able to learn how to do everything. And I've got three going on five locations now of a new company called Danny's Home Healthcare. Right, I saw that, and I was wondering. If that was the same thing or something separate. Same. They do the same thing. Right. Different brand. For and sure. with my style from the beginning. Right. Where everything is kind of, uh, I let's just say, for, I learned from the 13 years of mistakes I made. And I was able to apply all that experience in a startup from scratch. So really minimizing a lot of, and able to speed up the growth process and minimizing the mistakes that we have been through, all of them so many times over and over. That's what's up. So then, all these companies and everything, and including the D-Man Foundation, which experience are you most proud of? I'm I'm 1,000% the most proud of D-Man. Yeah? 1,000%. 
Right. And, uh, you know, all my companies, as you know, they're for profit. D-Man's the only nonprofit. And because the mission here is so righteous and so pure of heart, its growth has been organic. And I, I'm so pleased with what has, this has turned into and more excited for where it's going. Exactly. But I get, I get more out of this charity that brings me nothing in terms of dollars <laughs> and everything in terms of happiness. I live for this. I love this work. And that's because I was looking back at some of the events that you've done and it's crazy. Like early on, you've done like carnivals and Hollywood nights and like Halloween uh, costume contests for people in chairs and just the dream cruise. This damn studio we're sitting in and the music studio for music therapy. And I wouldn't even call it music therapy. It's really just a community of people coming and making music. Music and, and friendships and relationships and brotherhood exactly. and sisterhood. Yeah. And uh, uh, they support each other in everything from music to when one of them's in the hospital. Right. When one of them loses a family member. Exactly. Uh, and, 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 it's, and it created a community of, uh, I don't, I don't want to say, otherwise they would be, they wouldn't have anyone, but it's like, there are some of them who otherwise would just be sitting in a home somewhere. Well, you know, I'll tell you the story of how D-Man came about. And then maybe, because that was my frustration with transportation, right? Mm-hmm. So I learned about transportation. And I would go pick people up and take them to their doctors, their therapy, their dialysis. Insurance only pays for them to go to medical appointments, right? right. So if you don't have your own van, the only time you leave your house is to go to a medical appointment. What kind bullshit. of shit is that? Terrible. Yeah, Dumb like you're basically a fucking prisoner at home exactly. unless you have to go see your doctor, which is fucking lame. Not, right. No one looking forward to that. And then you come home and you live your life through now computers. And, basically. And the phone. And that's... Yeah. Fuck that, you know? Exactly. Go live. Go So go I actually, before Danny died, was in the process of starting a nonprofit that would raise money to cover the cost for transportation to go take people to the movies, right. shopping, birthday party, whatever the fuck they want to go that's not like a doctor's appointment so they can have some quality of life. And in the process of starting that, two and three months in, I ran into some hiccups. And one of the main things was, well, the consultant I had said, because I own the transportation company, I can't start a nonprofit raise money for the nonprofit and then pay my for-profit because it looks like I'm raising the money to move money to myself. Right? Oh, to sure. And I'm sure there's people who speculate that that's what you do today. People, yeah, I mean, you know, you have people, success, who, you have people who are always going to say some shit exactly. about something. I, I, I don't care because I know myself. I know what I am, who I am. I know what I do. I know the decisions I make. I stand by the right decisions. I stand by the wrong decisions. I own up to my shit when I do something wrong, you know? Yeah. I make a mistake. But but, but I'm never intentional trying to fuck anybody. Ever. But when you deal with a company and you've got six and seven hundred people and different companies and different things, you're almost always going to run into something somewhere eventually. Someone's going to always. So, what was that scenario? Like, you couldn't even have a non-profit for the transportation? So what ended up happening was we had to figure out a way, because my argument was like, okay, well, first things first, I'm only going to raise money to cover the cost because I got to pay the driver, the gas, the car. Cost money to take people, you know? Exactly. I, I would, you know, so got to raise money from, got money's so got to come from somewhere. So it's still a non-profit because you're breaking even. Yeah, I'm like, and I'm like, if I were to give, the, if I were to raise the money and then go hire another transportation company, it would cost more. Exactly. I'm only doing, you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, no, well, we had to figure a way around it, and maybe this and that, and then Danny died in the midst of that. Mm. So I put that whole project on hold, and the world totally just stopped fucking spinning for me. Everything was like, holy, it was, because it was unexpected. Right. It wasn't like his health was declining, he went to hospice. Because you said he he would have these emergency visits, like, once or twice a year. Yeah. What what was this final? Sometimes he'd be non-responsive. His blood pressure was low. 
sometimes would be. But what happened this time was he he uh, he would be non-responsive. He went into cardiac arrest. Is what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the the you know as you know when you are quad and you know you don't move right, right. and so your your the muscles everywhere start to I forget what it's called atrophy. Yeah, atrophy. Yep, and so like you know you start to see the fingers look soft. There's no muscle in them. And same thing with the heart. Heart's a muscle. You're not moving. Right. Only so much strength. And I guess it just, I always like to just say God wanted him. And that was the time that he took him. And, yeah. But it was unexpected. And so, right. we're like, oh And it's my. almost one of those things because the, the heart's a muscle. Mm-hmm. And, and so I always try to tell people, like, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm, I'm extremely healthy. Thank God. Yeah, the therapy I do. Keeps my body very Therapy, strong. Range of motion. Exactly. Like, don't ever lay off that shit. Well, don't, dude. I don't. Yeah. I don't have any. If, if anything, it's gonna slow down. Yeah, right. That, you know, doesn't exactly. mean you're gonna get up and walk, but it means that you know what I'm saying. Well, yo, I'm not giving up on that either. Don't give up on that shit either. Now with right. like, now with stem cell research, always. You know, there's so much shit out there. Yeah. One of these fucking things have to work. Like, Look, dude, it's I, just a matter of time. And, and I'll tell you, I was so... When Danny was alive, and we were younger, we didn't know how to raise money like we do now. So right. we used to throw house parties. Uh-huh. And, and bring booze and shit and charge people 25 and 30 bucks. And oh, we'd raise man. all this money. And we would donate the money to a... Um, yeah, you a hustler too. Yeah, no I shit. Because they would come for oh. Danny because they knew it was his party. And we'd throw a birthday party for him. And when I say we'd throw a birthday party for him, we bring a DJ to the house. We bring right. tents. We bring lights. We bring. We threw a fucking the best house parties. Right. Two, three hundred people in the house. Shit. And we were fucking live. Right. And we'd raise like, you know, three, four grand. People would come and they'd give more and, you know. And mm-hmm. we used to send the money to um, uh, uh, the Miami Project. Gotcha. Which is Mark Bonacati's fund. Yeah. You know. And they they work on a lot of stem cell stuff. Right? All, the whole thing was stem cell research. Yeah. Because the big thing. I know for me, even when I was in school, that's one of the things I'm fascinated with. Mm-hmm. And one of my classes, it was a, it was like a bioinformatics class, and uh, that was one of the things. We we our final project could be on anything we wanted, and it was like a, a group project. And I was like, all right, I want to do stem cells just so I can learn about it, learn about what what the complications are going yeah. on right now. And right now, the main thing is because stem cells will differentiate into other cells that's the origin of all our cells is is starts as stem cells and then they become a skin cell or a brain cell or a neuron or whatever and so right now the main thing is figuring out how to determine what it'll differentiate into and if you can find that out figure out how to make the stem cell become a nerve cell in the spinal cord. That's that's it. Well, and it was, I used to go to like, to the U of M and listen to like famous doctors. And I flew to Texas once to listen to like stem cell research specialists speak on this and t- shake their hand and talk to them and say, please, you know, tell me how, this is my brother's situation. Where we, in, in 2001 and two and three, this was still very new. And it's still today very new, but it's made tremendous progress since then. For sure. So so I always would raise money for for the cure for paralysis right. when Danny was growing up. But when he died and he was ripped away from us, I wanted to raise money to make people's lives better right the fuck now. Exactly. Now. Yeah. Not maybe for people in 20 and Because I don't know, because time is short and I know that now. And I remember that shit every day. For sure. So, especially today, especially today on Danny's birthday, My and actually even the day of his accident, we celebrated as a second birthday, a rebirth for him. But I feel <clears> like <throat> that too because that was that was one of the main themes of my anniversary podcast. It was just as shitty as this circumstance is. I have a strong belief that everything happens. For a reason. 100%. Like, the experiences I've had, the people I've met, the stories I get to tell in this podcast, the, like, the people that reach out to me and say, thank you for talking about this shit. Mm -hmm. And, like, just 
everything that's happened to my family, to me, I, it feels like this, this has a higher purpose. 100%. And so, I want to spread that same feeling to others who might not, might not be there yet. Living your very life in that way. Yeah. You know, people to be able to. Like you said, experience life. Well. Live life now. And realize how. Every day is the last could be your last day. Exactly. That's one of the sad things because the the same thing you're talking about, your brother, that could happen to me any day. I know. I'm talking real shit, I know. It's something that, like, I have to come to terms with. Makes it difficult for me to relate to people talking, talking about death. Because when people die, when friends die, and all this stuff, I just have a whole, whole different perspective. For me, it's like I don't know death. I don't invite it, but I wouldn't be afraid of it. You know, know what I mean? I say the gift that Danny gave me when he died was he made it so I'm not afraid to die anymore. And uh, it might have been like that for the first few years after his death until my son was born. Because when he died, and and I lost my grandpa. He was the first person that was really close to me that I lost. And then I lost Danny. And a couple days after he died, you know, when someone dies unexpectedly, like, you cling to your faith at that moment. You know, and I'm a, sure. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I believe in the afterlife, you know, and I believe in right. heaven. And I definitely believe, no question in my mind, that my brother Danny is in heaven. Right. So, you know, but I, I read something one time that stuck with me. It said, never let your head hang down. You know, never, you know, never pity yourself. And don't pray when it rains if you don't pray when the sun shines. And that remembered right. me. That's like, you can't just be a man of faith when right. shit goes wrong. Right. You gotta be like, you gotta be all the, you know, believe in that all the time. And so, but religion's complicated and there's so many different kinds and so many different gods. And even, you know, there's different types of Christianity and different types of Muslims. And then there's Jewish and there's Orthodox. And there's so many different types, but everyone believes in a higher power. And for me, that faith you're talking about, I feel it in my heart Mm -hmm. so much so that the God that I picture doesn't care about all that. You know what I mean? Like it's too complicated. All the different varieties. Yeah. I think he's cool with it. You know, I was like, like you know yeah. they used to make those bracelets, WWJD. And right. I was like, you remember and I would tell people that you know, we talk about religion and I say, you remember those WWJD bracelets? And they're like, Yeah, and I'm like, just do that. <laughs> just keep it simple, you know, just do that. Keep it simple, you know? Right. And yeah. um and of course we love you know each other. Like, yeah, you know, especially for you having uh, after Danny's death to have children to see yeah. the the loss of life, but then also to see this new life, the birth of life. Yeah, yeah it's, and it's, my oldest son, his name is Danny. Mm, you know, uh, and my brother Calvin named his oldest son Danny too. <laughs> they're both named Danny's, and they're like not even a year, like a year apart. See the yeah. And you see them both running around, but we got to yell at them both, we're like, Danny's! But you know, <laughs> as they get older and as they start to explore and look into that, it'll give them a strength, knowing that they can look up to this guy. Yeah. And you well, know they know I mean? him through pictures and videos yeah, exactly. and talk about him. And like my daughter, she'll say, I'm sad. And I said, why? She said... Because Uncle Danny died. And I said, oh, sweetie, you know, she never met him, you know? Right. <laughs> so she didn't, but... But, like um, you said, she's ultra caring. Yeah, she really is. She is. <laughs> and so, you know, it's just, life is short. So so the studio kind of right. came about through, in the process of starting a nonprofit, and then getting turned down, and then Danny died. And then, instead of learning from my experience of raising money for that spinal cord injury, I said, I want to do something for now. And so, I got this idea, and I got it from two places combined and it came to me one day and I'll tell you there was a there's a place in Rochester called Paint a Miracle 
and it's an art studio for people with disabilities. Mm. So you go in there, they got the clay and the kiln and the watercolors. I feel like I've heard of that. It's an awesome place. Yeah. Founded by this lady, Shelly, started it for her dad, Dale, and I used to yeah. I used to drive Danny there, and then I used to take ZCD clients there as well. Mm. But they had the clay, the kiln, the watercolors, and all the paintbrushes, and then they had a parapro. And then they had sticks that would go under like your tongue. Right. And then you could put like a little pen in there and Danny could paint with his mouth. Nice. In college, just a challenge. You avail my advisor told me to like challenge the university, find a class that you think would be difficult and make them find out a way. And to work. So you did chose paint. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it is yeah. like a special experience. And my and my little sister volunteered at this place growing up and then she went to school to, she's got a master's in art therapy. She, she kind of grew up in that. But right. but that place was kind of the, the same setting as this. They did it with art. We did it with music. And one day, about three, five weeks maybe before Danny died, Calvin, you know my brother Calvin the nurse, he's also yeah. a rapper. Right. So I always say, you're the first, I, I tell him, you're the first nurse rapper I ever knew. <laughs> but he's a very talented lyricist. And so he would go to the studio and record. And me and Danny would go with him. And we'd be mm-hmm. like... Uh, or like his entourage or whatever, like, you know, his uh, roadies or whatever. And right. we just go hang out in the studio while Calvin would rap. And Danny said, you know, I want to try that. And we're like, all right, go in there, do your thing. And he would just rap. He started spitting off the dome. But it's hard when you have a vent, as you know, oh, for sure. to rap. because I was trying to sing on the car way here. And I was just like, damn it. You got to wait for the breath. Exactly. You can't talk without until the machine. We control our breath. You got the machine controls yours, and the machine controlled his breath. So, for him to be able to rap was a task. And we're like, dude, just don't worry about it. Do your best. So later we went back and we edited out the sound of the breath. We put a beat behind it and we mixed it. And he was like, he listened to it. And he was like, damn, you know, that's what I would sound like if I don't have this machine. You almost like took out the gaps. It's exactly what we did. We took out the gaps and we kind of brought this sound down and raised this and that and, you know, dicked around with it and he's like, damn, this is shit, you know, and then he died. And so I got the idea one day to come up with this paint a miracle style art studio. So I started looking for one to, to find an existing model and there was no such thing anywhere in the whole country. There's no such thing like this. I found one place that was in the Netherlands. And it was ran by this guy named Rude, R-U-U-D. And he actually created one of the instruments we had right behind you, the magic flute. He's the guy who created okay. the magic flute. Oh, and he had okay. an art therapy style kind of studio. I mean, a music therapy, a music studio. He basically had a studio and then he had this adaptive equipment in it. And uh, I bought the piece of equipment from him and, and you know, once we opened, but there was no model to copy. Right. So I was like, oh, Okay, I guess I need to build something from scratch. Right. So I had to. So what I did was I built a committee: music therapist, engineer, entertainment attorney, uh, artist. Two of our clients, you know, our artists here, Eric Thomas and Alan Floyd, were on that committee gotcha. in 2010 before there was such a thing. Right. And I said, I want to open this million dollar state-of-the-art music <laughs> therapy studio and i'm gonna go raise all this money and i'm gonna write the plan for it right and then fuck you know raising a million dollars i ain't sure ain't no joke you know <laughs> i still haven't done it yet you know 10 right. years later so but that was in 2010 we didn't open till 2013 here so it took me about four years to put together the committee raise a little bit of money to be and, and and frankly, I donated the money in the beginning to get it started, you know. Right. Uh, and then I went and raised the rest of the money, uh, and my dad donated, you know, and helped us get it going. But to open, he said, "Well, instead of opening this giant state-of-the-art studio, why don't you start something smaller and improve the model?" And gave me the idea. And then I met a guy at an event in Detroit named Mike Jabara, and Mike Jabara was the CEO at the time the CEO of Warner Electric Atlantic Records. Mm. Right? So he's signing the artist paychecks. So I said, so I had a drink with him after the show one day, and I said, you know, we started talking, and I, said, I got this idea. And he says, well, Z, why don't you just find someone who already has a music studio that happens to be handicap accessible 
and rent space from them to be able to um, start there. Ding. Well, that's way easier than raising a fucking million dollars. That's not a bad idea, right? So I start, um, you know, through some... Yeah, and I'm calling all the studios in Detroit. I went to see 54 Sounds. I went to see Joel Martin's place. I saw... um, And I bet the majority of them are not. They're not. No, they're not. They're not. But I found one that was. Okay. And I went down there, and studio's beautiful. And then he's like, well, check this out. We got this area for you guys. It was an office. Not bigger than the room we're in. In fact, it was probably a little skinnier and longer. And he's like, oh, we'll rent this out to you, you know, for two grand a month. I was like, two fucking... You're going to charge me two grand a month for this little room in Detroit... In 2012, when the economy was not, the property was not. Right. And I was like, I can rent my own fucking place for $2,000 a month. Exactly. So I started going and looking around. I said, I'm just going to rent this big place. So I go to Fort Field, and they're renting space. And the guy's like, yeah, $20,000 a month. I was like, nope, fuck that. Nope, nope, that ain't going to work either, you know? Right. So um, I end up, um, uh, one of the guys on our team was an engineer, and I end up hooking with, up with this engineer and saying, uh, they're on the committee. And he already had a studio. He had all the equipment, but uh, you know, uh, not a whole lot of capital. So I, I ended up, we ended up splitting the place and splitting the rent and starting. He would have the studio a couple of days, three days a week, and we'd have Dean and have the studio three days a week. And we started there in 2013 when we opened it. And then we started needing more time, and uh, we ended up growing into needing the place full time. So we took it over full time, and we expanded the. Uh, the, the area in the garage for more office space and here we are today uh, six years after we first opened it and still I'm going to open the big one one day oh yeah hold me to it oh for sure because I've, I've seen a lot of growth especially recently it just seems like like you said you you are a busy, very busy guy yeah. and but to see what type of things are coming out of it and this CD and album that just came out is is dope. It's, it's promising for the future. Yeah, I'm really excited because as much as I we went through when we built this place, the, the only regret I have is I don't get down here enough. And I love being at this place in the studio. So I don't get to hear the music until it comes out either. Right. Which is really exciting for me because I feel like a fan getting to hear the album as opposed to, you know, you know, chairman of the guy who put it together and everything. Oh, for sure. So this album is called, the birthday album, it's called Beyond Movement, right? Which has, uh, which plays into the disabilities and not being able to move physically, mm-hmm. but all the stuff beyond movement. And uh, it's a summertime album, so I'm, I, I think all the songs that are on here are more like, you know, summer uppity, uppity dance and fun, right. more, some fun beats, you know? And we released it today on Danny's birthday. He would be 33 and... Uh, Mm-hmm. I just want his legacy to, to live on forever, man. That's awesome. That's what's up. Well, I guess that's a pretty good spot to close it. We, yeah. We've been talking for a minute. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, we got another 10 minutes if you want. Uh, I guess one thing I, I'm real curious of is this uh, travel that you've been doing recently, too. You right. took two girls on a cruise. Four. Four. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. And you guys, how, how'd that go? It was the shit, man. It was I like, saw the airplane and like putting the wheelchairs underneath and everything. Yeah. It's, how'd that go? It's a it's a task. Everything was good until uh, we had one hiccup on the way back where one of the, the switches got broke on one of the chairs on the plane, but they Delta fixed it right away. Um, Delta does a great job for us, but that was the second group cruise we did. The first one was about a year and a half ago. We had seven seven people on that one. And uh, this one was an all-girls cruise. So we went with a pink theme. Everything was pink. And the girls had a great time, man. We went on, cruise ships are really accessible. You get to see a lot of places in a short amount of time. Right. And there's something for everyone on the ship to do. And so we bring them all together. And we do things together. But we also let the families go and do their thing. But the coolest shit I thought was we went to swim with the dolphins. Mm-hmm. And getting getting him out of the wheelchair, off the van, on the Ambu bag, much like how we put Danny in the ocean, and getting him actually in out of the chair and in the water so they could kiss the dolphin. 
and uh, mm-hmm. you know pet the dolphin. The dolphin would come and do you know tricks and right. things like that, and yeah. it was just awesome, you know. And that's going to become an annual thing. First year we did it in August, and then we decided to move it to like your March and April because we wanted our clients to feel the vacation more. And when you go somewhere warm in the middle of the winter, you feel the vacation more versus going in August when it's already hot here, right? right. And so it was a huge success. It's so awesome. A lot of fun. And uh, now we keep pushing the boundaries. Oh, for sure. And, keep, and, uh, what do we say in the beginning? Keep tinkering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Land, air, and sea. The Woodward Dream Cruise allowed us to do the convertibles. And, and some of the coolest cars, the best time to be on the road during the Dream Cruise. The D-Man Group Cruise, the um, we take the sea, we call it D-Man Takes the Sea, is when we go on the cruise ship. So now we got land, we got sea. What we started doing two years ago were helicopter rides. I don't know if you saw mm, any of those. I think I did. Right. And so I think we've done four of them so far. You want to go in one? Yo, I'd be down. Oh, uh, you're going to do it this summer. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds awesome. You're, you're gonna, we're gonna, we should do a podcast when we're in the fucking right. air. So you know, this has been nine years, and coming up on ten years, I know for my ten year anniversary, I want, I want to do something. I'm trying to figure out what. Part of me is like, well, how about skydiving? How would that work? <laughs> I think that would be hilarious seeing a tandem guy with a limp body, fucking walking with me. That would be the hilarious. It'd be like weekend at Burns. I mean, it, it could probably be done. I'm already thinking of like the logistics in my right. brain. That's how my brain works. I know, right? Yeah, I'm thinking of how, but it, you know, if you strap the vent, you'd right. have to strap the vent to you. Yeah. Because I don't think you could bag but, you and pull the strings. Oh, you for sure. And land, you know, because when you skydive, you yeah. go with somebody. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't done it uh, myself. <laughs> Um, I tell people it's because I don't want to be tied close to some dude for fucking that long, that right. tight. Oh, but really, I'm just scared as shit of jumping out of an <laughs> airplane that there's nothing wrong with. <laughs> so right. I'm kind of good on that. <laughs> but uh, some of my friends did it, you know, they liked it. But yeah. if you want to go, if you want to go in a chopper, you don't have to wait till oh, ten years. Sure. We'll do that this summer, you know. That'd be awesome. Yeah, we'll do it already. It's my guarantee. You will do it. How tall are you? Uh, six foot, six one. Six one. You're about my height. I'm six two. So. Yeah. And um, I'm like, well. I was too Your knees bend easy? Oh, yeah. Right, I'm, you're going to have to maybe, because it's a little cramp in there. Oh, okay. Bend them a little bit. Right. you got no problem with that, you'll be good. It's a trick, yeah. man. So you've been in one before? Did you ever do an airlift? Did you ever get airlifted from one? So I was before? airlifted. Yeah. I don't remember it. I was out. You was out. Yeah. Were you in a coma after the accident at first? Yeah, like induced coma. For how long? Almost like a week. Okay, yeah. Danny was three days. They, they, they told Danny, if you don't come out of your coma, if he doesn't come out of his coma in three days, he's probably not coming out. Really? Within like the 71st hour. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was one miracle after the other with with him. Right. My brother told me when I was in the induced coma, I kept waking up, asking him the same questions, like, what happened? Mm-hmm. Where are we? All this stuff. And he would tell me I'd fall asleep, wake up. And ask him again. Yeah, same question. So. We would read to Danny. I remember reading to him and... You know, he was not responsive, you know. But he woke up and he was, you know, we were 15, he was 7. That's a significant difference. Oh, for sure. You know, and and frankly, probably harder for you to adapt as a 15-year-old. You were able to do all these things. Right. And then, you know, you're talking about girls. That's actually partly where I'm kind of jealous of a lot of people. Because I would have rather it be either later or earlier. Yeah. To where, if yeah. it was if it was earlier, kind of grew up with it exactly, more used to it. and just develop through it. And or later, you would have got to enjoy those years. Yep, and just, enjoy those years, and also already become my own person, and that mm-hmm. go through adolescence and all that type of stuff. While you're in the chair, yeah. But you know, or, like you said, God's or got before a plan. I was in the chair, so you know. But yeah, yeah it's it's definitely interesting. It's it's been a it's been a journey. I think I'm getting there. You you will, and 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 you know, you're still living a good life. You're positive, sure. man. You're fucking happy. Yeah. You're doing what you want. You're brilliant. I know you got to go into. Once you go into like Ann Arbor, yeah. With U of M, did you graduate? Yeah, yeah. Did yeah. you get a degree in mathematical biology? Fucking show off. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just when yeah, I want so to, so I'll, you're a rocket scientist. I'll put the whole title in there when I want. 
Okay. I want to show off. All right. Yeah. All right. Why? Well, no, what is it? Come on. Just tell me. It's just me and you. He was a math major. Yeah. Okay, math major. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, but you know, you're, you're going to school, man. You're doing the podcast. You're motivating people. Are you working? Are you doing any kind of work? No, I'm looking up yeah. for, like, some graphic design and stuff. Okay. Just doing while doing all this. Okay. I make logos. I make... I'm working on a website, so okay. I have stuff in like a portfolio. Well, let's talk more about that. You and I off off camera, or off sure. uh, off the mic. You know, I'd love to do this again with you one day, man. Thank you for having Definitely. me. I Absolutely. think. Absolutely. Can you tell tell everybody what you got going on? If there's anything you want to promote. Um. Geez, you know, I mean, right now, you know, we have several different companies. And so uh, my home health care company, Danny's, is growing. We're going to be opening a Michigan location maybe by the end of this year or early next. should be up and running. Early 2020, we're excited about that. Um, I have a software company made for doctors so they can do free electronic signature called Client Sidekick. If you're interested, go to clientsidekick.com. It's made for physicians and home health and hospice agencies. It's free for everyone. Um, to help get orders yeah. back and forth, which increases the quality of care and the speediness of it uh, for clients. And we take care of. I'm op- we're opening up a coffee shop. We have a coffee company called Lava Mountain Coffee. Yeah, I had no idea that was you. That's me. I'm okay. Lava Mountain. I- I've seen the logo. Four trips to Columbia. Nice. Um, importing the, the beans green and roasting them fresh here in Detroit. And now we're opening up a shop in Lake Orion this, uh, this summer, um, Lava Mountain Coffee House. And all the people who work there have either some sort of a, a mental or physical disability. Oh, we're employing wow. people with disabilities there. Right. That's awesome. Versus treating them clinically, now we're giving them jobs, right? Uh, but everything we do is like, it's real chill and fun. And, and it's, it's, you know, I understand business yeah, very well. I understand structure, models, revenue models, return on investment, how to grow things. But I always try to do it with, you know, like, let's fucking have fun and just do this and build awesome teams and great people who are motivated and who are who are energized and really pumped about the, the mission and the vision for this. And if you're not down with it, get the fuck out of here. I hate poison or negative people. And over time, you run into those people. Some people, you hire them and you realize they're poison. Some people turn into poison as they're with you, as with their company. So I remove poison just like I'd remove it from a garden before it infects all the other plants. Um, and those are tough decisions sometimes to make. You know, sometimes you got to be the bad guy, and I hate that. And so, um, but 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 somebody has to do that, otherwise the whole thing comes crumbling down. I like to raise the bar high for everybody, for the staff, for the people we treat, as well, and every team. If you lower the bar for one person, you lower the bar for the whole organization. You need everyone to make their best effort to rise up to the bar. It's not about being good or bad. It's if you're honest, if you're ethical, if you have a good work ethic, if you're trustworthy, and you give me everything you got, I'm going to give you everything I got and help you can succeed in this role. Right. But if you're not honest, you're not. it's not about being... I can take... I always say attitude is more than ability. I can take someone with a good attitude and teach them how to be awesome versus someone who knows what they're doing is a dick. You got to be gone. Right. I'm sorry. I got no room for you on my team. Exactly. And, you know, because uh, they bring everybody else down. So if everyone's willing to step up to the plate and all these teams, so I enjoy that. But, yeah, we got the coffee shop, man, and building another software company, CRM. Um, What else am I doing? with Eric and Eric's companies doing awesome um, but yeah you know, check us out you can look me up on Facebook Ziad Kassab um, or on Instagram at Abu Dani A-B-U-D-A-N-N-Y Abu I always Dani. wonder where that came from you want to know what it means yeah. in the Middle East Abu means the father of so my son's name is Danny so they call me Abu Dani they're always the father of the oldest. Gotcha. My dad, if you were to see my dad, they would call him Abu Ziyad because his oldest child is named Ziyad. That's what's up. Your dad? Yeah. Who's your oldest in your family? Yeah, Ladon. No, your dad is the oldest. Yeah, Ladon Jr. Your oldest sibling. Ladon Jr. Ladon Jr. is the oldest. Yeah. So your dad would be Abu Ladon. Right. That's kind of how that works. So. That's um, cool. So Abu Danny uh, in Instagram and um, 
yeah, check me out. Reach out to me. I'm very accessible. You know, uh, people reach out Definitely. to me all the time. Facebook Messenger, LinkedIn. You know, I'm, I'm very easy to get a hold of, and I love talking to people, good-hearted people. Um, and, and since we've been down this path, God has put so many great people in our path organically, sure. and it's just been uh, a blessing. And then, yeah, that's awesome. I'd love to do this again with you. And Absolutely. And get into more of real, some even more oh, real yeah. shit. Like, yep. You know, like the thing. Like, I, 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 I got all types of all types of stuff I want to talk about, like auto no fault and mm-hmm. all this all this shit going yeah. on. Yeah, and like, we can talk about that. But, yeah. But some of the things that, that I think don't get talked about enough. For sure. I would have conversations with Danny about this because we were brothers. But like yeah. also. Probably the same conversations I had with my brother. Think about it. Sex. Yeah. Oh, you should listen to the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I have a two part episode. How do you called... overcome that? You know? Right. Young boys. You know, right. this is what they want. So, yeah. um, you know, we all thought about that. Oh, yeah. And, and then people are and people in, what about people in wheelchairs experience with drugs? And, yeah. And, and that you're seeing that. Right. You know, it's, it's that, that, that's happening. Um, and, and all the real everyday things that, the everyday things that people take for granted. For sure. Don't think about and yeah. maybe do, but don't want to talk about. So we'll do more of that. And that's time. the whole point of this. That's the whole point of this podcast. That's why I started this podcast. Yeah. Do you ever have any other people who are injured on it? Oh, yeah. Okay. I've had two that are in wheelchairs, and I have, like, a few more lined up. Well, I got up. your next 50 guests lined up. Oh, I know. I'm going to you know? I'm gonna stick around. I'm going to talk to people. Okay. And not just spinal cord injury, mm-hmm. but I want to talk to anybody with any type of disability of or... Uh, could be cerebral palsy, could be MS, could be TBI. All types could of be, things. Yeah, and we and get survivors so from all walks of life yep. here. And one of my favorite things from uh, with Game of Thrones coming up, mm-hmm. I remember in the first season, one of the, one of the lions, so Tyrion Lannister, yeah. is a dwarf. Yes. And, and one of the yes, episodes, he's like, I have a soft spot, a soft spot in my heart for bastards, broken things, yep. and cripples. And like, yeah, I'm like, yep. Yep, that's that's me. Yes, yeah, same once, once you've gone through struggles and lived through it, it's, yeah. it gives you a soft spot in your heart. It, it really does. Anybody who has yeah any type of complications. Uh, we it. used to beat people up in school who would like make fun of people with disabilities. Right, and like we get suspended. The principal would be like, "I know why you did it. I get it. Your heart's in the right place. But you can't just beat the shit out of kids for that kind of shit. Like, they had right. to fucking learn." They had to learn. Like we were, <laughs> and we were hard. We used to fight. Right. People don't fight anymore in schools. Yeah. Like, they have weird. like dance offs now and shit instead of fighting. But we yeah, used to like strange. have like big rumbles and like right. and we would get mad at uh, and stuff like that. But um, you know, th- this is so much to talk about, man. I'd love to do it with you anytime. The studio's open Definitely. for you. If you anytime you want to come here, Always. record here, this is yeah. your home. Awesome. I appreciate it. Oh yeah, brother. Alright. So everybody please if you want to follow me, uh I'm at Drew Claiborne on pretty much every social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. Drew Claiborne. And uh, please go check out our website, thedrewcrew.org, to help our nonprofit grow and to help others. And like we said, to show others that there's still life to live and maybe we can help families do so. And uh, that's it. Alright, check you guys next time. Peace. Even though we're close to broken, running on, empty, running on, empty, running on.